I really had no idea what I was going to do. I wanted to be a social worker and I was good with people. You know, I'm now as a secretary at, in this office and my goal was to save enough money to be able to go back to school. I looked around and thought, you know what, I could do this job. We recognize genius wherever it exists. And if you're known by the company you keep, we are proud to not only spotlight the women that are part of Rockefeller Capital Management's unique network, but also welcome our brilliant audience members. Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Sario, Divisional Director of Rockefeller Global Family Offices Southeast Division, and welcome back to Genius Loves Company. Everyone has a story to tell, and we're excited to hear from some of Rockefeller's top private advisors, investors, and senior leaders about the life and career experiences that got them here and the insights and perspectives they've gained. I'm thrilled to have one of Rockefeller's top private advisors, Tammy Lauder, as our guest today. She brings 40 years of experience to her role as a co-leader of Landmark Group, her five-member team based in Stamford, Connecticut. Tammy is highly respected in the industry and at Rockefeller regarded as a role model for her skills with people as well as wealth strategies. Tammy, welcome. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm looking forward to the conversation and it's great to be with you. As am I. Tammy, you've got such a great story. So let's start at the very beginning. Well, maybe not very, very beginning, but let's start somewhere from the beginning. Tell us about your background, you know, maybe where you were born, your family, upbringing, education. Great. So I was, I'm a born and raised New Yorker, uh, grew up in Scarsdale, New York. And uh, to fast forward a little bit, when I was in high school, I had completed all of the necessary requirements. And so at 16, went on to college. And uh, so I started at Skidmore College at 16. I don't know, I was in a rush. And uh, the next thing I knew, I graduated and fast forward, my dad said, when are you going to get a job? And I said, well, I don't even know what to do. I was a psych and Spanish major with goals of becoming a social worker. He introduced me to someone at Kidder Peabody to have an interview. And I took the interview, went home. They called me, offered me the job. I said, great. When do I start? They said, next Wednesday. And I took it. My dad asked, what did they offer you? I said, I have no idea. And the next thing I know, I realized that the Wednesday that I'm starting work is my 21st birthday. And so I show up at this office. I don't have a desk. And, you know, I'm moving around as a as a sub, right, because they just really gave me a job to be nice to my dad. And it's my 21st birthday, so I'm receiving flowers all day long, and I don't know where to put them because I don't even have a desk. So that was my beginning, which was, you know, kind of entertaining for a lot of people around me. Um, my dad was an attorney um, in maritime law, and my mom is a concierge travel consultant. So no one in my family has ever been corporate. So I'm the first and only, and uh, I've loved everything about it. I learned something new in every conversation that we have. And you had me at college at 16 with a 15-year-old daughter at home. <laughs> Imagine. I feel we have so much to do before we get anywhere near with applications and tours and visits. And you just got yourself there, got yourself there quickly and went off to college. That's such a mature thing to do at 16 years old. So applause to you on that. Uh, you mentioned some really interesting degrees and uh, tie that together for me. What drew you into financial services? 
So again, I really had no idea what I was going to do. I wanted to be a social worker and I was good with people. You know, I'm now as a secretary in this office and my goal was to save enough money to be able to go back to school. And I looked around and thought, you know what? I could do this job. There are not a lot of women here, which was an understatement. There were two that were advisors. And so I just started trying to soak it all in. And it was not intentional in any way, shape or form. Uh, I worked for a gentleman who ended up leaving the business and a number of his clients took a liking to me. And I think my psychology background really helped me to connect. I'm sure your psychology degree helped you to connect. And I'm sure it (laughs) helps you in everything that you do day in and day out, as I imagine just the people part of what you do. You mentioned you wanted to save money, uh, but that makes me think, what was your earliest memory of money? Was it that realization that you wanted and needed to save money? And then from there, maybe what was the best financial advice you ever got? So my best advice was just always make sure you're saving. So when I got my job, my dad said, make sure you contribute to your 401k, whatever it is. And I was making close to nothing, but 10% of that amount went towards my 401k. And I've always contributed to it. And I tell everybody that's starting out, make sure you do that. I don't care what you're contributing. You must pay yourself every single day. And when we had started talking about meeting today, I started thinking back to some of the questions. And I thought about when I was I don't know, 10 or 11, I used to babysit and I would take that money at the end of the week and bring it to the bank and they had the little passbooks and I loved watching the growth of that. And it's kind of the compounding that we talk to clients about every day. And I found a lot of satisfaction in seeing that continue to grow. So babysitting, this little off script, was that your first job? That was. <laughs> that was my first job as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Cash. <laughs> oh. So you've, you have absolutely worked for several marquee names in financial services, but what attracted you to Rockefeller Capital Management? We were looking for a firm that, that could hit all of the capabilities that our clients are asking for. And as our practice has evolved, it's become a little more complicated. And it it appeared that Rockefeller had that broad array of services and an interest in clients and interest in people and the family name. I feel like we want to be able to be stewards of that name. It's a real honor, I think, to be able to hold that card. And we were excited about it. And before we started, I actually read the book Titan. And it opened my eyes to so much more about the family that I was unaware of. And shocking to me how many doors it's opened, even in the short time that we're here. That's wonderful. And so now that you're here, what is a day in the life at Rockefeller for you? So no day is the same. Uh, And maybe that's part of the allure. And that's why I've been able to stay at this job for so long. Uh, You never know what's what the next phone call might bring in. But we do have some routines that are consistent every single day. So our team meets every morning, uh, quick seven minute. We make sure we're all standing so you're you're not too comfortable. You want to move on with your day. And we we call it our daily huddle. And so we'll discuss anything that's come up, newsworthy, client-worthy, firm-worthy. And, and that keeps us all on 
all aware of what's going on in, in everybody's day because you get so busy sometimes you can't share. And then and then looking through the new what happened overnight, what's going on with the news, and then what happened in any client accounts, deposits, withdrawals, just anything interesting that might have affected their portfolios. I learned about the stand-up huddle concept a number of years ago. And now today, when people ask for leadership advice and meeting advice, I say stand-up huddles only because right. three, five, seven minutes, people will start to lean or sit. And once you're leaning or sitting, you're past the point of really what's important now. So I love that you do that. I love that you do it often. I love that you keep it relevant and up-to-date. Uh, and I think the stand-up huddle is a really efficient and effective way to get things done. But I haven't heard many others that have done the stand-up huddle, ah. but I am known for the stand-up <laughs> huddle in my world. So <laughs> that's nice to know. What would you say are some of the challenges in the day-to-day? -day? And then, you know, conversely, what are some of the things you enjoy most about what you do day-to-day? So I think the biggest challenge is letting go, and it's in life too, right? Is just letting go of that which you can't control. It's around us all day long. So I feel like that to me, like I said, it's it's not just the job, it's your life. That's probably the biggest challenge. And then in terms of what I most enjoy, I love the evolution of the family dynamics that we get involved in. There are some relationships that we have that go back many generations. And, you know, we knew the grandparents and now we know, you know, they were 40 something and, and just the evolution of their family. And so we've got their kids, their grandchildren. We love being able to have that dynamic. What you do every day is so relational. And recently I heard someone say, it's so wonderful to come in every day because I'm working with all of my greatest friends who I've known for so many years. I see that sitting here with you, I hear you talking about it, the relational side, the going deep, the multi-generations. I think that's wonderful that you get to do that every day. And, uh, and thank you for doing that every day. I also love the advice that you just gave, letting go of what you can't control. That was a nice little reminder for me as we, you know, spend time, busy days, busy weeks, busy months. And it is a good reminder to just focus on exactly what's in our control. And so many times what worries us um, as women, as humans is uh, and are the things that are completely out of our control. So that was an, a kind little reminder that you just gave to me <laughs> sitting here with you. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your mentors. So I feel that every successful professional has had them. And can you tell us who were the important advisors or role models in your career and really in your life? Who influenced you? So in my career, um, as I mentioned, my first boss, after two years of working with him, and I thought this was going to be my path, decided to leave the business. So now there's a book of all these people that I've been talking to and liking. And I thought, well, oh, I, how do I not keep a relationship with them? And I went to my manager and told him that I would like to take over. And he kind of sloughed because women didn't, were not meant to be advisors in New York at that time. He said, we, you could go elsewhere. And I didn't want to do that. I lived in New York. And I went back to my boss and he said to me, you need to ask for what you want. And I think Again, not just a job thing. It's also a life lesson. If you don't ask, you are not going to get. And so I went back in and said I wanted to become a broker. And he said, well, okay, if you, you know, if you want to take the test, you take it. And 
if you pass, we'll reimburse you. And so I did, I passed. And a couple of the clients asked to stay with me, even though I really didn't know enough to be starting out like that. And they trusted me. And many of them are still with me, um, which is really exciting. Those are some of the families that I've had for a really long time. I imagine that that relationship of having mentors has at some point in your career flip-flopped. And whether you know it or or not, I imagine you're mentoring a number of individuals as well. What advice would you offer to young people that are just starting out in their careers today? I think the the biggest advice I could say is is never underestimate your networking. You don't even realize who you're talking to sometimes and where that might lead. And I always say the world is really small and you could be talking to somebody today that three days from now might say, wait a minute, I need to introduce so-and-so. It's funny, I hadn't thought about this, but one of my dear friends, her son is getting into the business and he calls me all the time to just sort of touch base. And I guess I am sort of a mentor to him, which is lovely. I think the best mentorships are those that we actually don't label. And Mm. I imagine that there are a number of individuals out there that you don't even know that you're mentoring. So uh, that's wonderful. Moving a little bit more now into the industry, there's been so much change. I mean, it's just evolving change every day. But what is the biggest transformation or change that you've seen in our industry throughout your career? So I think it's all about technology. It's stunning every now and then to think about how things are changing. And even just from last year, but looking back from when we started in the business, you had an idea. You would send it out by mail to 40 people and then you'd call them. Now, if you don't take care of that within the next 18 hours, something may change or you may have missed the opportunity. So I think technology and the speed with which information is is disseminated is shocking, Um, good and bad. I think socially, sometimes it can be uh, difficult. And, And that's part of what we have to talk to clients about to navigate the narrative. And it can be really loud and really not necessarily the truth or could be more dramatic than it needs to be. And so our job and part of what we were saying with psychology is just taking it back a step and and utilizing it, but not allowing it to control you. I couldn't agree more. More is not always better. And I think in your role, um, sometimes more information, now you've got to shift to not just giving the advice, but filtering through what's coming at every single person Uh, through different media sources, through AI these days. So the job has shifted and I've seen it as well in my career shift, but it, it, you're right. It absolutely has shifted with technology, not just in our industry, but in everything that we do every day. So Tammy, you are a working mom. Uh, What has been, and by the way, a big smile goes on my face (laughs) sitting across from another working mother, Um, but you're a working mom. And what has been your experience with um, kind of work, family, balance, or jungle gym? Sometimes it's less balance, more jungle gym Mm. um, in the industry. And how have you personally approached that? So I started as a sole practitioner. I was single and, and worked in the city. And that was a fun lifestyle. And then I got married and had a child and we moved out to the suburbs and I was commuting for a little while. And then when my son was about 18 months old, um, I needed to be closer to home. And um, I 
partnered up with my current partner. We've been together now 25 years. We kid about my son is 25 and we've been together 25 years. So we know exactly sort of the timing. And having a partner and being a part of a team has enabled me to be a much more present mom because I can get to some of those things that maybe you you have to sacrifice. And I didn't really have to do that. I was able to have both. Um, sometimes I felt being pulled by both, but when I look back on it, I volunteered at the school and I was able to do all those things that that at least I know was important to my kids and helped me with my relationship with them. And I'm very thankful for my partner, Bill, that enabled me to do that. That was great. It takes a tribe. <laughs> it does. It truly <laughs> it does. It takes a tribe. And uh, my best friend told me once, uh, Kristen, it's quality over quantity, mm. just quality time. And it sounds like you've made those uh, intentional times with volunteering and such, uh, while also leading a beautifully large career at the same time with a great team. So I want to talk a little bit about you specifically and what is the professional or or even personal achievement? I mean, they're really one and the same personal or professional achievement uh, that you are most proud of. So I, I was thinking about this and trying to figure out what was my most poignant because I wanted to share something really significant if I could. And I remembered when I made vice president at Kidder Peabody, it was quite momentous for me. And I was on a track at that time. It was assistant vice president, vice president, senior vice president. And so I was on a track to make assistant vice president. And I was at my desk and all the guys had gone out to lunch and I was sitting at my desk and a call came in for an ad to buy bonds. And my manager said, would you like to call this person? And I said, that would be great. And so I called him up and he ended up giving me an order for a million bonds. And back then that was huge. Um, and it got me not only over the level of assistant, but I jumped to vice president. And it was on December 15th and the year would have ended, you know, with me being a little shy. So it was very exciting. And that was probably my most um, momentous, especially coming from being presented the plaque from the guy who told me I couldn't do it in New York. Wow. So you start your career at 21 years old and you're surrounded by flowers, but no desk to set them <laughs> on. And then you skip a title promotion along the way. That's incredible. And I would be proud of that as well. I want to tell you my personal accomplishment because I really am proud of it. So I have older kids now, 22 and 25, and I feel like my greatest personal accomplishment is that they they love hanging with us. And that's that's a goal. Considering I just sent my oldest off to college <laughs> and I even tear up a little bit hearing you say that, uh, that is and will continue to be a great goal of mine and a great accomplishment as well. As I sit here and think, I just hope she continues to come home from college because we miss and her so much. And she'll bring friends. I can't wait. Yeah, I become the homestead. Oh, that's wonderful. So as we come to a close, I have two of my absolutely favorite questions to ask you. Um, so what or where is your happy place, Tammy? So... My true happy place is my home. I love all the rooms that I can go to to read a book, watch TV, do, you know, exercise, whatever. I just, I love pulling down the driveway. My daughter always says to me, why are you driving so slowly down the driveway? I'm like, because I take it in, which is funny. I never noticed that before. 
And in terms of places, I love the mountains. I love anything that's got a beautiful natural setting. And we go skiing. And Montana is one of my favorite places because I just feel like the sky is big and open and beautiful. Says the New York City girl. Yeah. <laughs> I get up early in the morning so I can see it's all black. And then I see as the sun comes Lovely. up, you see those snow on the trees. So my second question. Yes. Uh, where are we most likely to find you at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning? Spinning at 8 a.m. And then I go to the farmer's market. And then I go home and walk my dog, who I adore. <laughs> that is... Sounds like an absolutely lovely Saturday morning. And uh, I love that you start with spinning. Like uh, you do that in your home, I imagine, on no, a spin bike or you no, go to a spin class. No, I go class. to a spin class because I love being surrounded by the loud music and all the energy. And uh, the instructor there is awesome. That's great. You and Laura Esposito, <laughs> I believe she can also be found at a spin class on a Saturday morning. So perhaps you two should uh, connect sometime. And I'd love it's that. a little too intense for me, the, the spin classes that she was talking about, but <laughs> there seems to be a common theme. Well, Tammy, thank you for sharing your stories and your views. Uh, and thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Genius Loves Company. To learn more about Rockefeller Capital Management, visit rockco.com or keep up with us on LinkedIn or Instagram. This material was prepared by Rockefeller Capital Management. The views expressed of the hosts and guests in this episode are as of a particular point in time and are subject to change without notice. The views expressed by the speakers are solely their own and may differ from or conflict with those of other divisions in Rockefeller Capital Management. This information was provided for illustrative and educational purposes only. It should not be construed as an investment recommendation, investment advice, an offer of Rockefeller or investment advisory or brokerage services or a projection or illustration of the performance of any particular investment or strategy offered by Rockefeller. Forward-looking statements, including those presented herein, are inherently uncertain, as future events may differ materially from those reflected, and past performance is not a guarantee of future performance.